Telemedicine has great promise for lowering cost and increasing patient satisfaction, but just why has it been so challenging to get engagement? And what can you do to increase uptake? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is brought to you by Benazon Healthcare Advocacy. Your clients and their employees expect more service, more responsiveness, and more help than ever before. You need to focus on building your book. How do you do both? Benazon. To learn more, go to benazon.com or click the Benazon logo at the top of the shiftshapersonline.com page. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Jim Prendergast. Jim is CEO of Healthiest You. He's also kind of a serial entrepreneur who's got a very rich background in our industry. And today I thought we'd talk a little bit about the challenges of putting consumers in the center of their own healthcare, which I know is something that we're all interested in and the industry is starting to take notice of. So with that, welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me, David. Uh, It's a pleasure. Thanks for sharing your expertise with our audience. Oftentimes, the guests that we have on the podcast have a background that kind of got them to where they are and and crystallized their thinking. I think that was the case with you. Would you tell us a little bit about your journey? Well, I didn't come from a healthcare background. I actually came from an investing background, a financial background. And in 2007, 2008, as I saw the world changing in front of us, it certainly changed for my businesses and not necessarily for the better. I really wanted to seek out opportunities in the future that we felt had enough legs and interest and opportunity out there uh, to use some of my skill set. And so ultimately was introduced to a telemedicine company in that telemedicine company, got to understand the industry a little bit more, dove a little bit deeper into the healthcare industry. And I learned there's tremendous opportunity out there for all of us. And in that process, started using telemedicine as a family and started seeing kind of the things that we saw were right about telemedicine and how it was being used in the models and the things that maybe weren't exactly the type of model I would like to have. So at the end of the day, we just saw a huge opportunity where this growing population, an opportunity for families to get healthier faster. And we said, let's, uh, let's take a run at this. Well, you know, we talk a lot about telemedicine on the program and I'm curious as to your take early on, which is what you're talking about. What were the things that you thought were working and what did you think the deficiencies were? Well, I think, first of all, the the model itself, the theory of telemedicine just makes a lot of sense. Uh, Technology meeting the consumer, the consumer meeting technology, which isn't always the same, and just creating outcomes that, uh, as studies would show, and I was convinced of in my research, the studies did show that there was no change in outcome over uh, thousands and thousands of patients using telemedicine. So to me, it just made a lot of sense. And as a family man, having young children at the time, I had two young, I now have three young children. It just made a lot of sense for my wife, it made a lot of sense for our health plan. And I just saw the future being telemedicine and it really just, like I said, from a businessman, from a family man, and just from a father, it just seemed to make a lot of sense. 
Okay, so that's the upsides. Where did you feel that there were deficiencies or holes that could be plugged? Well, probably the the primary focus for me was the fact that I had to seek this out. Had I not been introduced this from a financial standpoint, an investment standpoint, I would have never known it existed. And as I started to tell the story to friends and family and colleagues and to enroll people in the story, people just they didn't understand why they had never heard of it. So the first thing I think was just the engagement of consumers. People just didn't know and still to this day don't know that telemedicine exists, that it's at your fingertips, that it really is that simple. And the second thing they don't know is that it does work for 70 to 80% of our needs. And so I just think we really are using a product here that, that has significant impact when people do know they have it. But the vast majority of people just don't. So from that standpoint, I felt uh, the second thing I felt is it was being positioned more as a nurse hotline. Uh, I always call it a glorified nurse hotline. And so it was buried on the bottom of a plan. It was a small little piece of a much, much larger puzzle. And so it didn't get the the due that it was owed and uh, the awareness, nor did it get positioned in a plan that would actually drive utilization. So we really saw, I, I personally just felt, man, there's there's got to be an opportunity here. And yet, while we talk about consumers, and you have used the word a few times in the beginning of this interview, do we really have true consumers yet in in this marketplace, or are we still kind of working at it? We're definitely working at it. We do have some. Those consumers are probably your Uber early adopters, your open table early adopters, uh, those people who are constantly looking for a faster, uh, more accessible way to information as well as services. And so we, we certainly have those and they are starting to seek that out slowly but surely in the healthcare. But I think we have a long ways to go. I, I think if the, if the healthcare industry has done one thing very well, it's to convince all of us that this is the way you do it and uh, don't ask questions why. One of the questions that's come up a couple of times with other guests, and I'll ask you, I'd love to get your opinion. Do you think that this change to becoming true consumers, the same way we consume most other stuff, is going to be a generational change, or do you think it'll happen sooner? I believe it's generational change. I do think we're we're quite a ways from the tipping point, but I also think significant outcomes for the better can be reached prior to a generational change. It really is blocking and tackling, David. I think we have to one by one, employer group by employer group, benefit consultant after benefit consultant really has to sit back and design their plans around consumerism, design all the products around consumerism. And then ultimately, I think uh, the payers in the space will start reacting to the demand and the need of consumers to, to have these types of services up front. So if it's going to take a while for us to have consumers in the sense that we think about consumers in other areas of our commercial lives, and these kinds of benefits have been buried towards the bottoms of the plans, two questions, I guess, how do we get folks engaged and when do we get them engaged? Well, that's a twofold answer there. So how do we get them engaged is to meet them where they're at. And technology allows us to do that. Things like geolocation services allow us to do that. Analytics that that are prevalent in the healthcare space allow us to do that. So in other words, knowing when people are searching for a doctor, being able to then direct them to the right doctor, the doctor that's in network or a doctor that actually can have a, a better outcome for what they're searching for, meeting them before they go into the ER for a toothache, right? Understanding. So really the healthcare industry can do that by recognizing 
the current patterns of consumers and then meeting them using technology in their continuity of care and then intercepting them and reminding them of this innovation. I think, you know, what I see out there, David, is I see a tremendous amount of innovation. Uh, whether you're at, uh, I spent three days with a large pair in their innovation labs and was really blown away with the amount of technology and innovation that's out there. I then went to uh, South by Southwest, a digital conference last year, and saw more technology and more innovation. And it really struck me that the challenge is not the innovation. The challenge is is making sure that innovation actually meets the consumer at a time of need. And I think that's where our greatest challenge lies, but I also think that's where our greatest opportunity lies. Well, you know, Eric Topol, we've, we've interviewed him on, on the program, and he wrote a great book called The Patient Will See You Now. His whole thesis is that the ubiquity of smartphones, the fact that everybody's got one almost every place across the globe, is going to make the technology not less important, but it won't be the gee whiz piece. It will be the ability to connect people in real time. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Absolutely. It's not the technology that's holding back right now. It is the demand from the consumer. There is enough technology out there. There is enough innovation out there. Uh, and we just have to keep raising awareness and then designing plans and designing benefits that not only drive utilization, but make that utilization a win-win-win for everyone. So what tools do consumers need in today's market? Well, the first tool is awareness. So they need to have benefits at their fingertips. I really think we've taken such a passive position in our benefits that I call it being slave to the insurance card. We pull that insurance card out and we hand it over like sheep and just hope and pray that they don't tell us we owe much money. Whether that's for pharmaceuticals or going to see a specialist or just your routine care. So I think we need to be armed with awareness. I think the other the tool we need to have too that starts it all is we need to have a tool of, of the actual benefit plan. That's our greatest tool. How does the plan we have work and does it work for my family? And how does it work for my family? And so if, if we include innovation like telemedicine in our plans and we design plans that then drive utilization to that plan and to that innovation, then we're going to start to create consumers that are looking for that type of product and they're going to use it over and over and over. So in telemedicine, you know, I, I, I always see what, what I call a first use syndrome. When I see somebody using telemedicine one time, they have this aha moment, like, wow, I, I didn't know it could be so thorough. I didn't know the quality of care was there. I didn't know that I could explain my symptoms and, and have questions as detailed asked back and get to a resolution so quickly. And so they have this aha moment that then says, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my acute care. And then if I do need to go see a doctor face-to-face, -face, which I may still have to, then at least I took this step first. I got educated, and now I can make a better decision in the future. So I really think that the biggest tool we have is our health plan and then our, our broker and our administrators educating us on our choices over and over and over. You know, let's face it, we're trying to change behavior. We're trying to shift power from that insurance card to the consumer to where we can pick up the phone, we can use our mobile and connect with anyone, anything. You know, we can get a car. I can have a car here in two to three minutes. I can select the type of car I want right now. And so that's what's happening in the healthcare industry as well. And I think it's a real positive change. Do you agree with, with Topol? Is mobile really where it's going to be at? I think mobile is the only place it's going to be at until it's on your couch. And so what I see and I believe in is a huge shift towards smart TVs. 
I like to say that, you know, someday smart TVs will do something more than play Netflix. And I, I think the battle, the future battle of healthcare is going to be on your couch where you will be able to go home. You'll be able to connect with a doctor if you need to. You'll be able to digest any sort of health wellness content. Uh, you know, I believe that the wellness content out there is just is magnificent. Once again, the challenge is engaging a consumer. And so we're expecting them to do it on their couch uh, or we're expecting them to do that at work on their computer or in a, in a study at home. I believe that if you want to understand your benefits more, sitting on your couch, checking on a claim, you can do all those things at the end of a long, hard day. So although the mobile, I think, is, is what's going to ultimately get us there because there will not be demand on a smart TV until there is uh, utilization at a very high level on the mobile side, ultimately, I do think we'll end up with the smart TV. And now, a word from our sponsor. Today, you're being pulled in multiple directions. Employers want you to deliver a higher level of service and employee satisfaction, and you want more time to grow your business. How do you do both? Benazon Healthcare Advocacy is the answer. Benazon helps plan members understand, utilize, and maximize their health plan and answers their benefits questions while you improve productivity, increase client retention, and grow your book. The best part about partnering with Benazon is that your agency gets all the credit. Clients see your logo, while the Benazon team of subject matter experts work to ensure resolution to specific member information and service requests. Each agency gets a dedicated telephone number and year-round, 24-7 customer support that answers the phone with your agency name. Turn your benefit on with Benazon. For more information, go to www.benazon.com or click their logo on the Shift Shapers website. Benazon healthcare as it should be. Now, back to our interview. There's a whole school of thought and several guests in recent podcasts have mentioned that there's really no way today to drive engagement unless you incentivize generally with cash. Do you agree with that? And and if not, how do you drive engagement? Those are good questions. I, I wouldn't say I disagree with that. I think incentivizing people is a way to initialize the first task, whether that's to download a particular innovative app that you would use, or is it to uh, engage in your first telemedicine call. But I don't think that's the the future. I think the real benefit here happens when you have control and you feel like you're in control of your healthcare choices. And I think that is what is the thing that will keep rewarding us to do more and seek out more. And ultimately, it's not the incentive. It's the, the moment that I realize I didn't have to go to urgent care at 1030 at night. I didn't have to pack up my three little ones because one of them is sick and go sit in a germ infested waiting room for two to three hours. I actually had control. I had power. I have people waiting for me to talk to me, to, to help me through this situation. And ultimately, not only did it save me time, not only did it save me angst and I got answers faster than I normally would, but guess what? I didn't pay a large deductible. I didn't have to figure out you know, how I'm going to afford to pay for this urgent care or this ER visit. And so the win right there is going to spark more and more utilization in anything, any of the utilization of innovation that we have out there today. Do you think that the higher personal responsibility amounts in today's plan designs are going to kind of be a catalyst for building better consumers and maybe a little faster than it might have happened otherwise? I, I certainly think so. I, I think the disheartening thing I see is that the 
change of health plans that has that you mentioned that are putting a little bit more onus on the consumer is happening, but it's happening so slowly that I don't see consumers reacting as fast as they should. It's almost walking to the slaughter. They're watching this happen. They're not excited about it, but they still aren't left with a great plan on what tools I can use to then offset the plan design. And so we're not reinvesting the, the premium difference we would have paid for, a, you know, lower co-pays and lower deductibles. I just don't see us acting quickly. If you take somebody from a $100 deductible to 5000 I, I see a very quick shift in the consumer to saying, whoa, this is, has been foundationally affecting my family. I need to do something about that. What I see more often is we're slowly but surely every year leading these people to a little higher deductibles, a little bit higher co-pays. And so I don't see a quick reaction. The other thing I see, Dave, is when, when we do do these types of plans, there always seems to be a, a sheepish mentality around the, the administrators that they don't feel good about it. They know they're stripping out the plan a little bit. They're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it from a financial perspective. And so they don't want to put a lot of a, a spotlight on the plan and they don't want to talk about it a lot. They kind of hope it just goes away. And so I think we need to have a lot of transparency. We need to be out there saying, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is better for you. And let me show you why. And I think when we watch the organizations that do that, those are the ones that are actually changing healthcare within their organization. And it's about communication, transparency, uh, and really educating these people over and over and over. So as we wrap up here, let's touch the third rail. What kind of an ROI should an employer expect or a benefit advisor lead an employer to expect if they start engaging in some of these changes? Well, I think there's a lot of different places they can have an ROI. The, the first is in their, their benefit plan design. If you have a smart plan design and you use innovation like telemedicine, where you're driving utilization to that provider, you're not burying that in the bottom of a plan like we see so often, you're going to see an ROI on the premiums day one, right? You're then going to see an ROI in your claims when you start activating and engaging some of these consumers so that they know if a claim was made and a notice goes out to saying, hey, next time use this service and you would have saved X, Y, or Z, that's the transparency we're talking about, you're going to start seeing an ROI on your claims. You're going to see a reduction in claims. You're going to see a reduction in admissions into hospitals. Consumers who take control of their health spend less time in care facilities, uh, have less of a rate of admissions. They get better, faster, and ultimately miss less work, which I think we all care about. And so you're going to see those type of ROIs. We, we believe that the ROI needs to be a, a reduction in at least a third of your medical spend on urgent care, ER, primary care visits. We could get into specialists. We, we believe that the industry itself, telemedicine, should be resulting in at least a 20% reduction in specialists. That's Does that strong. answer your question? Yeah, that's, that's, that's strong, and that's, those are good benchmarks to shoot for. In, in the minute or so that we have left, we like to wrap up by asking our guests in their particular field, where do you see the future? So, Jim, what do you see in the near or midterm? Well, like I said, I, I think you're going to see more and more technology try to reach the consumer. And I hate to use this analogy, but gosh, it's a good one, like Uber has. You're going to start seeing more and more apps, I think. It is mobile. You mentioned it earlier. Mobile really is 
taking over every industry and it will continue to do so. So I think you'll see more and more apps. It might complicate things in the beginning, but I think at least the the apps, the, the sheer volume will allow people to understand and learn more and more about the change that's happening in healthcare. And each app in their own way will create another consumer. Because when you find one thing, you're then open to the next thing that's presented to you. And we're seeing that happening here. As I mentioned before, I do think it'll, it'll then move to uh, smart TVs. And I think ultimately, it'll move to communities. It'll move to strong communities of organizations and that are looking for healthcare, that are demanding healthcare. And I think ultimately, that's where we have to get is where there is enough consumerism that the system has to change from the top down and uh, adopt all of these technologies and not just let outliers like us telemedicine companies and many other innovator companies out there sit on the sidelines. The last thing I think is what we're seeing is health plans are going to have to stop packaging these things uh, in these large bundles that are not easy to understand. And so really separating out these things, allowing each individual innovation to stand on its own and deliver what they promise. And we have to expect that and demand it both as from the payer perspective to the administrator and all the way down to the broker. We should expect that each product within this health plan has a strategy for engagement, more than likely mobile, and has an actual plan that will drive the the results and the utilization and ultimately the savings. Jim Prendergast, CEO of Healthy Is You. Jim, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and your expertise with our audience today. Now, thank you. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the ship shapers to work in your business.